0: Say on the podcast,
1: we are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides.
0: My name is Jeffrey Lilly,
1: and I am Sarah Black.
0: And today we will judge you.
1: Ooh. <laughs> don't be so judgy, Jeffrey. Oh,
0: but it's a judgmental process. <laughs> I got nothing. I got, got You could be like, it's a fair verdict, unfair verdict. <laughs>
1: Yes, so today we are returning to everyone's favorite trials and talking about everyone's favorite men in charge sitting at the top of those trials. Can you have a favorite? I was using favorite in a sarcastic way.
0: Okay, like, like that's my favorite dad. <laughs> Sorry. I'm
1: going to have to bleep that. <laughs> um, I think by the end of this, we might have preferences towards some... Of these judges, okay, maybe. Okay.
0: I mean, I I know that I like one in particular. Well, we're not even talking about him today so I probably shouldn't even talk about that. Yeah, don't don't give okay, him too okay, much.
1: Don't. cart but,
0: pony horse whatever.
1: But we've been talking about the Salem witch trials for what two yeah, years yeah. now?
0: We're coming up on birthday time, by the way.
1: Yep, we're kicking it off once again. Remember, it just goes in that cycle year yep. after year. Yep. Now, we've talked a lot about victims. We've talked about a lot of the big characters, Mm -hmm. like Giles Corey, Rebecca Nurse. We haven't done Cotton Mather yet. Mathers are definitely on our to-do list. But we thought we kind of shift gears a little bit, especially coming off the Putnam family, and focus in on some of the people that really had the movers and shakers, the people in power, the guys that are sitting at the top of this court of Oyer and Terminer.
0: There's nine slash ten of them. Uh, so we're coming to you with a series of judges. But we're going to start the first one with just the top guy.
1: William Stoughton.
0: William Stoughton.
1: In my opinion, one of the biggest bads of the trials. But before we dive too far into his life and story, got a couple things to uh, hammer out here. Oh, my Tour gosh. time. Jeffrey, I just did it again. Did you hear that pun? Hammer out? Hammer oh, out. Oh, the gavel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh. I'm going to try to pun every episode oh, at the beginning. Gosh. Tour time. Not tour time yet.
0: Oh, I don't know.
1: We're not starting yet.
0: I know. I'm not I'm not touring.
1: Neither am I. Okay. Uh, so we're going to get rid of- uh.
0: Uh, I don't know. What do we got?
1: Oh, the funniest thing happened to me the other day as I was strolling down Chestnut Street.
0: Uh, we did an episode on Chestnut Street.
1: Yes, we did. And we did not include this in the episode- I didn't know it existed. Okay, what you got? I came upon a bunch of folks playing street hockey, and I was like, "Wow, that's an unusual sight." And like, we all know Chestnut is super wide. Yeah, and they don't have the speed bumps right now because it's uh, winter. Yeah, yeah. They got to take them out for the plows. But yeah, full blown street hockey game, all ages. All genders.
0: Horizontal or
1: vertical? Sorry. You know, honestly, I don't know. I was so distracted by the fact that it was happening. I couldn't, I didn't even pay attention to where the nets were. Okay. I think the nets were off. It would have been vertical. I don't Horizontal? Across horizontal the street? Horizontal the traffic. That way they or, don't or have to move the nets uh, every time. Perpendicular to the
0: traffic. Perp- yeah. And then Chestnut Street's wide enough for that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I'm walking. I was sneaking a couple of videos because I had to show you and I thought it was so funny. And... The person started talking to me. So, of course, I have my earbuds in. Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah, we got to get you and Jeff out here sometime. The do guy you, that was playing hockey. Do you know who it was? I think we've met before. His name's Ware. He's a listener. And I just stopped chat for a sec just to, you know, figure out what exactly was sure. happening. And apparently they have been playing hockey on Chestnut Street since 1970 every Sunday. Since 1970.
0: We missed that in our episode.
1: <laughs> what? Well, that's because you're not up early enough on Sundays to go see like that. But also, <laughs> I i guess I never walked down Chestnut Street on Sunday. Like, how have I... Like, that's my neighborhood.
0: Yeah, maybe you just go down... Essex. Yeah, but or Federal, or...
1: How funny is that? I guess...
0: If you probably don't catch... It's one of those things, that if you just don't catch them for that hour... Yeah. And then you don't catch it.
1: And I'm a, Oh, I, they could still play with the speed bumps that they're, yeah. they're wide enough spaced. Yeah. So every Sunday they are playing street hockey on chestnut street That's um, crazy. among the mansions of Ye old that. Salem. Love that. <laughs> it's awesome. We should probably give a couple shout outs to our newest Patreon subscribers.
0: Oh, absolutely. So as always, thank you to our patrons. Uh, you are wonderful, wonderful peoples.
1: Thank you for helping support the pod.
0: But the first person on the list this week is, do you want me to say it? Do you want to say it? Go ahead. Turtle shirt lady.
1: Turtle shirt lady. I, I,
0: I was wearing the shirt yesterday.
1: Is this the uh, Giles Corey's Reptile Emporium shirt? Oh, or is that a different one?
0: I think I know. I think this is just the one with the two turtles. The
1: two turtles on the shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Funny that we have to question where which, our where <laughs> which, the shirts came from. <laughs>
0: which, which turtle shirt? It is, and of course, this is this is pre uh documentation.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Remember, they they weren't turtles on Giles Corey's nipples, but falcons,
0: male falcons, male
1: falcons, which
0: I guess sure i don't know which is those both sound like pretty horrific ordeals uh but either way thank you
1: thank you turtle shirt lady and our last shout out today amber bergman
0: thank you amber
1: thank you so much amber
0: appreciate all of you guys
1: all right jeffrey We have a couple quick corrections to make.
0: Oh, corrections corner. We haven't done a corrections corner in a while.
1: We got two corrections, actually. First one, very brief. Um, There is, in fact, a Salem, Missouri. So I think I got caught up in, well, A, I probably didn't do the best job at listing out which Salem's had, or which states had a Salem and didn't. I just, on my notes, put all the places that didn't which kind of made it a little confusing when you think about it. Okay, And your reasoning, like the listeners, they only heard like half of the time that it took for you to reason your way through those. (laughs) I had to cut out so much dead space and so much contemplation just because we wouldn't have gotten to the end of the episode.
0: It could have been like a four-hour episode. It's fine.
1: Yeah, it, um, (laughs) it was something. But I think in the midst of all of that reasoning, I stumbled with the the states, and Missouri does, in fact, have a Salem, and I have to give a special thank you to
0: Melissa Wenzel,
1: one of our Patreon subscribers who promptly <laughs> hopped on and let us know that, yes, there is, in fact, a Salem in Missouri, and her grandfather is buried there. It's in Dent County. So shout out to Dent County. I was really excited to see that we already had listeners with connections to other Salems. That's
0: pretty cool. So the question, so did I get it right or did I get it wrong?
1: You got it wrong. You know, honestly, I can't remember at this point. Okay, so I
0: might, I might get an extra two points.
1: Or you may have lost two points.
0: Uh, okay, we'll have to figure that one out. Yeah. I'll go back and look at my notes.
1: My notes were right, too. I just got conjumbled, you know? That's a good word. It happens.
0: Conjumbled. So thank you for that correction. Uh, we love to hear about all the other Salem's even though ours is the coolest.
1: And then we're heading outside of Salem for this next correction regarding a Mr. Matthew Hopkins. So we had several folks reach out to us, um, both on email, online. Thank you, guys. Wow, we really dropped the ball on that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, so if you you all uh, recall a couple episodes back, we were talking about that play uh, that is getting its wheels off the ground uh, down in New York and the cast of characters, and one of them was Matthew Hopkins. And we were like, ah, now that sounds familiar, just not ringing a bell. Yeah, we were both
1: scratching our heads.
0: uh, Clearly, we were stuck in Salem. Yes. Um, And I think that sort of makes sense. Like, we definitely dropped the ball, but if you're looking at a play about Salem and you have these listed characters in Salem, Matthew Hopkins... Shouldn't be on the list.
1: At all. At all. Not just for the fact that he wasn't there. He he wasn't alive. He wasn't alive. Uh, So he is known as the Witch Finder General.
0: Yes. He is one of the, we say characters, but he was a character in the scope of uh, some of the worst witch trials and witch hunts over in England uh, earlier that century.
1: I very much envision a Van Helsing character. When I think about him... Like I can imagine him going from town to town with like a sack full of tools and like trying to convince everyone, oh, there are witches everywhere and this is how you find them and this is how you torture them. And it's just very much feeding into the fear and sensationalism of that imaginary world that these people really did believe in. Well, he
0: lived in an even more imaginary world because he was supposedly appointed as the witch finder general by parliament.
1: And he just totally made that up. Yeah, he had never actually been given a title. He he, made it. He he went to these places
0: and was like, "I am the official witch finder general. Let's find the witches." And then they did,
1: and they killed people. Uh, And then works were produced. You know, stories are told, and inevitably, this information will trickle into. The understandings of a lot of our main characters. Yeah. People like Cotton Mather and Increase Mather, William Stoughton, who we're going to talk about today.
0: There we go. So uh, thank you for
1: the, the corrections again.
0: Uh, if you notice us drop the ball on anything, let yeah. us know.
1: Let us know. And thank you guys for doing it so kindly. I mean,
0: you, you, you could be a little mean, but thank you.
1: Please don't. Please don't, right? <laughs>
0: Like we're we're only we're only human ish.
1: Yes, we try. Yeah, so speak, thank you guys. Speak for yourself, Jeffrey. <laughs>
0: hey, we can't we can't we can't get it all, uh. But you're right. Stoughton probably knew a lot about Mister. Hopkins.
1: I wonder. I I really wish we could get into the mind of William Stoughton and just how. I have a lot of thoughts about this man, and okay. I think we're gonna have thoughts about each one of these judges. It's really hard to paint the full picture because we don't have the full picture. And, of course, you and I, probably all our listeners, are kind of biased against this guy, like, given his uh, his position in the trials. And yeah. as I said at the beginning, to me, he's kind of like one of the big bads. People always focus on Cotton Mather and, like, using his speech to kind of, like, invoke fear. William Stoughton, I think you could argue, was very much responsible for the deaths of these innocent people, much more so than someone like Cotton Mather. That's my opinion. Okay, I sure. think he. I think he had more power. I think yeah. he liked the power, and he had a mission in his head.
0: I think, I'm not going to ha- disagree, I think, how do I phrase this? He enabled these things to happen. Right? Like, like he wasn't a minister, so he wasn't up there propagating, right? He wasn't like Mather, who was a pamphleteer. But once he got that seat of power, he opened the doors and willingly enabled all of these negative things to happen. And I don't know which one's worse, right? Like, So he was like, ah, yes, these words are true. The special evidence is true. We're going to allow for all these things. But then someone like Mather Paris, who continuously preached and pushed these narratives, Stoughton allowed those narratives to to happen. Yeah, he could have very easily been like, "Uh, ah, no, we're going to close the door on some of your ideas and concepts. Instead, he was like, yep. Let's hear it free-for-all.
1: And it does get murky, too, because it's not like we're dealing with the courts of today where there is a pretty stark separation of church and state. (laughs) You could argue against that. But back then, in the 1690s, there is no separation. It is the same. So you do have these two different sides. You have like the preaching, the religious, Mm theological-based. And then you have Stoughton, who has more of the... Like the governmental, the political power. Yeah. Although he was a minister by trade. But before we go any further, I think we should probably read the names of all the other judges. Because remember, we're doing a series. So we'll start with Stoughton. And then the other folks will probably couple in one or two to three uh, per episode.
0: So another one of the most infamous judges, of course, is Jonathan Corwin.
1: We all know Corwin.
0: Yep. Lived in the witch house, not a witch, obviously. <laughs> one of the biggest
1: pet peeves. He'll he'll be a fun one to talk about. Yeah, and then of course down the street we have John Hathorne.
0: Yes, uh, buried in Charter Street. Uh, he's sort of one one the I think those are two, two two of the biggest ones. The quote
1: unquote hanging judge, as yeah. he is known through history. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people, like you said, they're the biggest ones. A lot of people recognize those names. The other ones, some might sound familiar, some may not. Coming off
0: of that, we have uh, one of my favorite names, Wait Still Winthrop.
1: Wait Still Winthrop.
0: Like that's a that's a cool name. A
1: very cool name.
0: Right. We also have a Thomas Danforth.
1: Danforth sounds familiar.
0: Um, John Richards.
1: John Richards. That one I know nothing about.
0: No, same. Not yet, at least. Yeah. Um, Samuel
1: Sewell Seawall. Seawall? Is it Sewell? Sewell? So, I don't know. I always say Seawall. So do I. I think it's Samuel Seawall. Seawall? Okay. Gosh, okay. I hope so. Yeah. We're going to find out. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, one of my favorite, Bartholomew Gedney.
1: Also buried in Charter Street Cemetery.
0: One of my personal favorites, uh, which kind of counts, kind of doesn't, is Nathaniel Saltonstall.
1: He's the one that left at the beginning, right? Yeah.
0: So he does. he's there for Bridget's trial, and after that he's like, Nope, uh-uh, not, not doing this. And he cites family, and he bounces. And last but not least, or maybe they're all least, <laughs> <laughs> last and least, um, we have Peter Sargent.
1: Peter Sargent. I, again, also know nothing about that one. Yeah,
0: I think Sargent and Richards are the ones that I just have like zero understanding of.
1: So hopefully by the end of these episodes, and don't worry, they're not coming boom, 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 yeah. <laughs> right off the bat.
0: We're not going to make you listen to like a month's worth of judges.
1: Uh, but hopefully by the end, we'll all kind of have a, have a general understanding of where these guys came from, you know, how they landed in this position, and if they felt any remorse or not at the end. So of course, we have to start with the top dog.
0: William Stoughton.
1: William Stoughton sits as chief justice of the court um, that oversees the Salem Witch Trials. And I thought it might be fun if we played a little game as we go through these men. If you could think of, like, words to describe them. Like, when you, after reading about Stoughton, after gaining a somewhat general understanding of him and his motivations, do you have any words in mind that, like... Screamed sto into you, You're putting me on the spot. Maybe I'm just being super harsh, but I thought uh, entitled, sure, um, kind of power hungry.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I get a greed vibe, very greedy vibe from him.
0: I get a very uh, spoiled rich kid toddler
1: yes. vibe from him.
0: Uh, like, yeah, this is, maybe me, me. I, I can, and that that's going to come, that opinion comes post-trials mostly, which we'll talk about. Uh, I feel as though he's generally unliked and sort of much like Phipps, sort of uh, fails his way to the top.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think I can see him like harboring resentment because people don't like him.
0: Yeah. He, he's not like some of these major, I think Mather must have been uh, very charismatic, well, not very, but, you know, at least, like, relatively yeah, charismatic. Um, we know he wasn't, okay, that's, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go off the rails if I start comparing him uh, to Reverend Burroughs and, 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 and that construct. But Stoughton's not a big success story because of his positive connections ends up in the position he's in. But up until that, he'd sort of been shoved to the side a few times. So I think we see definitely like that resentfulness that, sure, maybe power hungry. Yeah. I I can see. But I I, I see him as like sort of sniveling and
1: grimy and, you know, like. mm. And like once he has the power and once he's in that high position, he's going to wield it. Yeah. Like he's going to come down hard. Yeah. All right. So William, so childlike, spoiled brat. Is that what we landed <laughs> that's, on? That's sort of where
0: I'm I'm feeling.
1: I I'm excited that we're starting with him because again, I feel like he is a big villain. I'm hoping that some of these judges show me that there is still some faith in humanity.
0: <laughs> Ooh, I, I'm
1: holding out for Stall. It's it's
0: it's such a it's such a strange dynamic because we are sitting here in 2024 radically more educated. Passively, we have more understanding than some of the most educated people of the time. Their world was small. Their world was dark. They were terrified of the things that went bump in the night, which would actually kill them. Uh, they didn't understand the rising and setting sun, for for heck's sake. Like, my goodness. And so this fear is, is part of their understanding. It's part of their... Legitimate worldview.
1: Yeah. So basically, you can't forget that we're looking through it with a very modern lens. Yeah, yeah. And we understand a lot more. These folks truly believed in witches. William Stoughton truly believed in witches and thought he was doing the right thing.
0: But we're getting we're getting uh, caught in, caught in the weeds. Reeds? sure. Either one. Uh, but let's let's give a little backstory on who. Mr. William Stoughton was. How did he end up as the Chief Justice of the Court of Oyer and Terminer?
1: We're going to back up about 60 years there. Yeah. To 1631 when he was born.
0: Where was he born? No
1: one knows. No one knows. He was born to Israel Stoughton and Elizabeth Knight Stoughton in 1631. But yes, there are no records indicating where. His birth was no baptismal record. so he was either born in England, born in North America, or I kind of like to think that he was born on the ship as they were coming <laughs> over. So either we, way, we don't know. We don't know.
0: So unfortunately, that means we can't tell you what sign he was. Uh, but I did look, and it is the Chinese year of the horse.
1: Oh, close <laughs> enough. To, thank you. <laughs> I, needed, I needed
0: something. I was like, oh no, what do we do? So yes, sixteen thirty-one is the year of the horse. That's that's all I got.
1: So. <laughs> That's great. Should we start doing that for everybody? Just kidding. No, we don't need to add a whole nother layer. <laughs> There's also no record for when his family arrived in the Massachusetts Bay Colony either. But we do know that they were there by 1632 and in Dorchester specifically. Uh-huh. So just a little reminder, we've talked about the Dorchester Company Um I like think we mentioned them in the founding of Salem. Yeah. This is where Roger Conant had gone at one point. It is south of Boston, right on the coast. So like a couple of our judges, or were all of them Harvard graduates?
0: I don't know. We're going to find that out though. To be fair, I was curious and I was like, no, no, I can't. I don't want to get cool. too.
1: So I know he's not the only Harvard graduate no. that will sit on this court, but he did graduate from Harvard in 1650 with a degree in theology. So Harvard was founded in 1636. So he was kind of an early bird for this uh, institution. First two decades. Mm-hmm. It's funny. You can actually go through, like, the um, you can do this with any college. You can go through the graduates of right. that year. And back then... You could have like four people graduating. <laughs> in 1652, they had just one graduate. So it's, it's funny. He was one of nine. Okay.
0: So in, that, was a, that was a big class. It was a pretty big class. Yeah. But he wasn't content with one degree from Harvard. He needed more.
1: So he continued his studies over in England at Oxford's New College with the goal of becoming a Puritan minister. He graduated there with an M.A. in 1653, and he was described as a pious preacher who believed in, quote, the Lord's promise and expectations of great things.
0: So this is a an odd time to be in England as well, and I don't, I can't remember how much we've talked about this.
1: We talked about it a little bit.
0: Okay, so if, if you're caught up to speed, and you can recall like 50 episodes ago, I'm not sure, um... There's a lot of contention in England uh, during the 1600s. And coincidentally, uh, at this point in time, is one of the most contentious uh, periods. Uh, We have overthrown the king, chopped off Charles's head, and Oliver Cromwell has dissolved Parliament. Uh, So the Puritans, within the span of several decades, uh, go from legitimate terrorists trying to blow up Parliament... Uh, with the Puritans or the pilgrims who come here because they're fleeing uh, the fact that they're a bunch of terrorists, to be fair, uh, to now having overthrown the king and uh, dissolving parliament. This, of course, lasts about 10 years uh, before they're like, oh, we made a mistake and we kind of want the king back.
1: Yeah, remember, Puritans were like... The bad guys. Religious extremists. That's yeah. the best way to describe yeah. them. And we're having, as you said, to flee. But over time, they gain some actual political power. And this is when Stoughton, a wannabe Puritan minister, an up-and-coming Puritan minister, that's when he finds himself in Eng- England. What a time to be there, for I, one.
0: I think that distinctly shaped what happened. His, his career, his life... And, and, and then how the Salem which trials Childs play out.
1: I agree because I feel like this tumultuous political uh, atmosphere and environment that he finds himself in, mm-hmm. that kind of is throughout his whole life in one yeah. way or another. It's always back and forth, back and forth, very unstable. I also can't help but think about what it would have been like for him. So he graduates when he's like 20 from Harvard. He goes to England Imagine growing up in the colonies at the start of the colonies, spend your first two decades there, and then you go to England where everything's already built up. Like, I, he'll end up coming back to Massachusetts for, you know, a good reason, but I, I can't imagine what the, he must have been excited, he must have been shocked, like the things that you would see compared to what you came from.
0: I, there is, to 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 come from boston or dorchester salem where they're like living in effectively mud huts like you know
1: and remember it's the 1650s so what they've been there for 3 decades yeah. basically but they're, like not a generation they've been there I, for not even
0: yeah i i don't think there's no brick buildings yet they're all wood they're all like one two room two floors sort of at the most
1: frontier territory always at risk
0: to to being able to seep the houses of parliament as they still stand today i must have blown his
1: mind yeah so i i just imagined young stoughton strolling yeah. through england just Stinks in of awe
0: yeah yeah which probably doesn't look that much different today than it did back then if i had to if i had to wager
1: so he did preach while he was there yeah. at, at sussex however that political instability that was happening as you said they were like maybe we shouldn't leave the puritans (laughs) in charge that is going to effectively force him out of his position and having no real desire to stay he decides to return to massachusetts in 1662
0: which is again right around that time that the commonwealth of england falls they get charles ii uh from over in france and they put him on the throne, which is fine, sure, uh, but that's also a bit of a mistake because he's wielding very fragile political power. So he doesn't want to make any big changes. He doesn't want to rustle any feathers. He's known as the Merry King. He's basically like throwing parties and having a good time. So no one kills him like they did his dad. Uh,
1: I was gonna say if you if your dad was killed, like I I would kind of watch what right. I'm doing too.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um now now of course a couple hundred years later we have Charles III sitting on the throne which I I find is so kind of like the timing.
1: Oh is that the Charles that he's following? Yeah yeah yeah. Oh. Charles
0: I gets his head cut off. Uh, Charles II uh, is put on the throne at this point and now we have Charles III.
1: What a a line to follow. <laughs> My gosh.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there was there was some contention. People were like, is he really gonna cause you can change your name when you become Right. They were like, is he gonna
1: keep Charles? Dude, but at this point, come on.
0: I right, like
1: at that no.
0: But but the legacy he has is Charles the First, then Charles the Second and now he's Charles the Third. Maybe he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna reinstill the good name of Charles. <laughs> is is
1: kind of what <laughs> I think. But I'd like to I, I agree with
0: that. Yeah. So, leaves England.
1: Comes back to the Massachusetts Bay Colony, and he doesn't accept any type of like permanent preaching job. Mm -hmm. He's not like Samuel Parris looking to just become a minister, although he does preach a bit in Cambridge and Dorchester. He instead, though, gets into land speculation and and politics.
0: These people with their land speculation. Yeah. It's just...
1: Taking land and cutting it up and selling it off.
0: It's so bad. It's, it's like one of the worst things. I mean, there's a lot of bad things we did, but uh, that's a pretty bad one.
1: Yep. Basically just claiming this land as your own. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. This is one of the reasons why I think he was greedy. And I think he is the type of person that would take advantage in a power situation. Because he had a bit of a scheme going mm-hmm. on here, mm-hmm. uh, as he was getting into land speculation, he was able to use his political power and clear, like as a judge, would he, would he have been technically a judge at that not, point? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. But he was able to clear the deeds.
0: This is, Everything here is a little sketchy, right? Like there's a lot of informal deals. There's a lot of, Blind buys. There's a lot of, uh, oh, I bought a million acres in Maine at these points. You've never been up there, you, you haven't. Some people did, but then you'd sort of who authorized you to do that? And some people were like, no, oh, I was authorized, and some people were like, okay. And sometimes it needed a seal of approval, and uh, because of his connections, either just politically, just his influence. Uh, he sort of was able to write that off himself. So it's like having uh, the banker, the real estate agent. And And the the buyer. The buyer and the town clerk.
1: All one person. All one person. And he was able to, this benefited him financially. Yeah. But he was also able to help out his friends, his business colleagues. Yeah. It, It was definitely one of those situations like, It's about who you know.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, that means not necessarily people are owing him favors, which I'm sure is probably the the name of the game. But, (laughs) hey, I helped you with that land buy. Wink, wink.
1: Exactly. Oh, yeah, he wasn't a judge yet because he was actually on the governor's council, or at least what would become the governor's council, known then as the Council of Assistance. So he was on that board from... 1671 to 86, not every year, but most years. That's, I think, you know, this is 71. Trials happened in 92. This guy has had the ear of the governor of the biggest people in power of Massachusetts Bay Colony since 71. Mm -hmm. So, again, surrounding himself with powerful people, with powerful connections.
0: Doesn't always work out for
1: him, though. Yeah, <laughs> but he knows how to deviate too. He's probably I, I he's one of the I, again this this dude sly. yeah sly Oily. You, you took the words right out of my head. I was gonna say sleazy. He sleazy. seems like a sleazy
0: used car salesman business
1: guy. <laughs> I could see him uh-huh. selling land like a used car salesman. So he puts all his eggs in the basket with the Dominion of New England.
0: We we need to do a whole.
1: We need a whole episode on that
0: The Dominion's one of my like most favorite little known facts uh, I think on tour uh what do I say uh I'm like in the Dominion of New England can't talk about it don't have time to get into it but uh, for those of you who are wondering uh basically uh seventeen seventy six wasn't the first time we told England where to stick it <laughs> uh and then I'm like, basically the reason that none of you have ever heard about the Dominion is because it doesn't it doesn't last. It doesn't work. It collapses effectively under its own weight in a matter of years. Uh, we get a charter in the early 1600s. That is sort of a point of navigation for what is politically occurring here in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Uh, when William and Mary ascend the throne, uh, they effectively revoke our charter. And now we are governmentless, charterless. We are somewhat adrift without a paddle. Uh, one of the reasons that they revoke our charter is because we've been going off the rails. We've been leaning heavily into the Puritan mindset. And remember, we just talked about the Puritans back in England. They took the throne, cut the king's head off, and then uh, lost that power. So now over in England, William and Mary are looking at all these Puritans being like they're going. A little extremist, crazy. We're going to strip them of their rights and privileges. The goal of this was sort of to have us re-bend the knee,
1: bend but, the knee.
0: But 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 we said, screw you. We don't need no stinking king.
1: We're going to do this on our own.
0: We are we are the Dominion of New England, which by the way stretched from like what is now New York, uh, all the way up to the like the top of Maine.
1: But as you said, doesn't last very long. But he, so Stoughton had joined in fully.
0: Yeah, he thought this was the way to go, throwing off the sh- and as a Puritan, I and especially having gone through, and I really can see here the reflection of his time in England to his alignment with Andros, because he saw the power that the Puritans wielded in England under Cromwell sees a reflection of that two decades later over here and we're telling the king where to stick it he's like we're going to be an independent we've got this wrong i think part of that has to do with governor Andros. Uh, at one point he tried to force everyone to rebuy all of their own property because they needed money to support the new government so he's like oh all of you who have all this land <laughs> You have to rebuy it basically from me, the government, uh, so that we can fund it. And people were like, I'm sorry. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Uh, let's let's get rid of you there, buddy.
1: So before Andros even gets in there, Joseph Dudley, he was kind of like Stoughton's... I feel like Stoughton has so many friends and confidants and business associates that he gets very close to and he weasels around with. And Dudley was one of them. He was one of... He was his main partner in those kind of skeezy... Yeah, they,
0: they did the land stuff kind of together. Exactly. Yeah. So do, do you think... I feel like Stoughton was never the mastermind. He was always like the, the, the leech. No. No? Okay. No, okay. I feel
1: like he was too involved with all this stuff to think he must have had something, some well, mind of his own. He just kept
0: like attaching himself to bigger people.
1: Or do you think people were attaching themselves to him?
0: I think I think he's attaching himself to bigger people.
1: Joseph Dudley was the one who he was kind of getting into all the sleazy uh, land speculation stuff with earlier. Mm-hmm. So he gets appointed the head of the dominion. Andros will come in. But with Joseph Dudley's appointment, um, I believe he is the one that selects Stoughton to kind of, you know, he's right there with him.
0: Beyond the the council.
1: Once the dominion dissolves, though, Andros, Dudley, um, even Stoughton, they were all kind of looked at as enemies of the state. Uh, Andros and I believe Dudley as well, uh, they were jailed. Um,
0: So it's largely classified as a rebellion, but it was an unarmed, there was no big conflict. It was uh, peaceful.
1: Yeah, like we're not we're not gonna do this anymore. We're yeah. just gonna remove you. Yeah, please don't resist. <laughs>
0: yeah, and they didn't. They 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 surrendered.
1: But Stoughton, he again had special friends all over special places. He was also pretty uh, closely connected to the Mather family.
0: Oh, here we go.
1: So the Mathers, and we've talked about Cotton Mather. Increase Mather, they have a lot of pull and a lot of respect Mm -hmm. in the colonies and over in England. Increase Mather was the one who suggested William Phipps be governor when the new charter is being drawn up.
0: For those of you who recall from the Phipps episode, it's Phipps and Mather who head over to England to renegotiate the charter. Uh, Because they're like, hey guys, sorry about the rebellion thing. Uh, we, we got rid of the Dominion, can we have a new charter? Uh, we're willing to bend the knee again at this point. And that's a lot of Mather's doing, and he's brought his buddy Phipps. He's like, hey, this guy found some treasure for you. Remember him?
1: I can vouch for him. Yeah. Yeah, he'll make a great governor. <laughs>
0: yeah, and, and he's like, and I also know this other guy who'll make a great lieutenant governor.
1: And that's where Stoughton comes in. Boom. So he's made his way up the ladder, and he is now Lieutenant Governor.
0: But again, he gets appointed as Lieutenant Governor when Phipps and Mather get back from England. So his appointment comes in the throes of the beginning of the witch trials.
1: Was it May? Yeah. May is when they arrive. Yeah. He was already... You know, heavily involved in Bostonian politics, in the col- the colonial politics in general. I feel like everyone probably knew his name, knew of him, mm-hmm. knew of his reputation. Uh, probably still had a lot of enemies out there. After
0: but, after the Dominion issue, uh, yeah. Again, I feel like that's one of the reasons. Like he f- failed. He threw all his eggs in the basket, but he also knew the Mathers. So like, once that falls. I can sort of hear him being like, well, maybe that was a mistake, but we still,
1: da, da, da. He must have been able to, a used car salesman, man. There you go. (laughs) I was going to say, he must have been able to talk some talk. Weasley, slimy little Stoughton. He looks it, right? He's got that face. So this brings us to the trials.
0: Dun, dun, dun.
1: And I can't help but wonder how much he was involved in the initial proceedings, if at all. Um, didn't really have a stake in Salem whatsoever, mm-hmm. and as you said, he's not officially appointed as deputy governor until they arrive with the new charter. However, William Phipps and Stoughton being like decided as the governor and deputy governor actually comes in October 1691. So I, I do wonder if he knew that that like he must have gotten a letter they, right. They- like, he, he had to have known that yeah. he was taking on this position.
0: So they, they knew. Uh,
1: it just wasn't official.
0: Right. You didn't have the sign sealed delivered, which is a sort of weird concept. Uh, I guess, like, it sort of makes sense. But Phipps and Mather are the ones with the physical documents. And they sent word so we know that they're coming. They end up getting here in the spring. So, yeah, he knew.
1: And whenever you look back at those old witch trial documents, remember you're looking at the pre-trial questionings, uh-huh. um, the actual trial documents where Stoughton is presiding over the court. Most of them are gone.
0: Yeah, so you don't you don't see, and it's neat. You can see his signature, W. M. Stoughton, and his seal. It's uh, it's red and so. Uh, Bridget Bishop's execution and several other orders have his actual seal, which I assume would have been a ring. Uh, so his family seal and whatnot. Um, but his actual seal is red and white. There's this cross on it. And then it looks, and I couldn't, it it kind of looks like vampire fangs on it. These little staply things.
1: Ah,
0: I see the fangs. Right? And I'm like, it's also got these lions and these fi- um, not fish, um, scallop shells and it's very fancy but like those pointy things look very malevolent and i'm like looking at his seal and being like this is the seal you used to 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 put your official the death warrants and the executions
1: i'm sure he did not look at them as vampire teeth back then (laughs)
0: like they're they're aggressive they're these little sharp barbie it probably means something I, i don't i'm not a herald heraldry heraldry Anyway, getting back to the witch trials. So when Phipps gets here and has to deal with this shit show, he forms the Court of Orient Terminer, and he steps away, and he appoints William Stoughton as the chief justice. That's where he enters the field, for better or worse.
1: Probably for worse.
0: I th- almost definitely for worse, um, he did have some of these outdated views. Uh, he was one of the major proponents of spectral evidence and allowing for spectral evidence, uh, even the courts in England and even in sort of a more progressive mindset of, of individuals in Boston, uh, spectral evidence was on the outs. It was, yeah, maybe, but maybe not. Uh, but Stoughton comes in with this idea that it is valid. It is true. And it is one of the the premier things that we need to look at.
1: I mean, not to make a judgment totally based on his age, but I mean, he was 60 years old at the time. Yeah. And you even have young folks like Cotton Mather also preaching spectral evidence. It was his father.
0: But Increase.
1: Was saying, no, calm down a bit. So I don't know if it's, I don't know. It's, like I said, I think Stoughton was just kind of like an angry, power-hungry, kind of got caught up in the um, the urgency of it all, perhaps. Now, obviously, we all know it was chaos, mm-hmm. and it was boiling up, and then he gets appointed to be Chief Justice. Accusations have been flying for almost two months, or almost three months at that point. Tensions are high. Probably thought, okay, let me just come in and fix this right up. We're going to take care of this problem. But yeah, very big proponent on spectral evidence and uh not afraid to sign death warrants, that's for sure. Even for people like Rebecca Nurse.
0: Yes, that's one of uh and we talked about this in her episode, so if you want the the full story, um, but she gets that petition of of her innocence. And uh well, Stoughton's like, I don't
1: think so. Well, remember during her trial, she was originally found innocent. Yes. And then the girls start freaking out, and the jury is ordered to go back and re-deliberate. And it was Chief Justice Stoughton that was like, no, no, no. You go back in there, and you come out with a verdict. And of course, they're going to come out with that guilty verdict. The verdict verdict
0: that he wanted. (sighs) So we can definitely see a few times where he directly intervened uh, to get the verdict that it would seem as though he wanted and what that really is. And unfortunately we don't know. I, I think for as much as we do know about Stoughton, we're missing a whole heck of a lot. And that of course comes down to the missing trial documents. What were his words? What were his things? We don't have a private journal of his, like we do for some of these other individuals involved. And, um, we, I see some letters, like, addressed to him and him mentioned in several letters, uh, but his words seem to be distinctly lacking. We can see his actions, uh, and that's pretty clear, uh, but his words historically are, are unfortunately not available.
1: We definitely don't have anything in the form of a diary by any means, but we do have some little hints left behind. I'm going to read an excerpt from wonders of the invisible world in a minute here so the court of oyer and terminer if you guys recall was put to an end stopped in september of 1692 by governor phipps he's like nope this is getting out of hand my wife was just accused we should probably pump the brakes here but of course that doesn't eliminate all the charges brought up against these individuals so the court proceedings had to continue this time, they would be held in the Superior Court of Middlesex County.
0: So he is, again, he's appointed the Chief Justice. So the Court of Oyer terminer squashed, and then we get a new court, and he's still in charge. But the governor has said no spectral evidence.
1: Yeah, that was a big change from the original Court of Oyer and Terminer to this new court. Spectral evidence is no longer going to hold up
0: can you imagine the conversation between those two?
1: Oh, i wish i could be oh. a fly on the wall so the remaining cases were to be held in charlestown right across the river from boston court began on january 31st with chief justice william stoughton presiding along with some of the familiar names we already mentioned thomas danforth john richard's still Winthrop, and Samuel Seawall. So a lot of the same names sitting on the same court, the same guys that sent a bunch of innocent people to their death. Much of that first day was dealing with swearing in the jury. They heard details from a few cases, including that of Mary Toothaker and Mary Taylor. And I truly believe, I don't know how the rest of the judges felt, but I think in Stoughton's mind, the executions were going to continue. These guilty verdicts would keep coming. In fact, authorities had been ordered to dig new graves up in Salem, presuming that the next round of executions would take place on February 1st. So there were, pl- like, they, I don't think they anticipated this to really stop.
0: If it was up to Stoughton, it wouldn't. He ordered more executions and he wanted more people dead.
1: And then probably my favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes from the Salem Witch Trials unfolds. Oh, and it's epic. I, repl- I think about this probably more than I should. What? I, like, imagine this happening all the time. Okay. I know that sounds so weird, but it's the moment where Stoughton finds out he can't execute anyone. So on January 31st, the governor, William Phipps, had issued a reprieve, basically a stay of execution for those who were supposed to be executed just in the next day. He did not let Stoughton in on any of that information, probably because Stoughton, in my opinion, was a hothead. I'm sure, like you said, those conversations between the two guys probably didn't go over so well. He didn't tell anyone. He just sent out the reprieves, one to Salem, and then, of course, to the courts. So imagine a guy shows up, hands Stoughton a letter, Stoughton reads it, figures out he's not allowed to execute anyone, and what does Stoughton do?
0: He throws a temper tantrum.
1: He was furious. So there's a couple recordings of his response, but this is the gist. Quote, "'We were in a way to have cleared the land of these. "'Who it is obstructs the cause of justice, I know not, "'but thereby the kingdom of Satan is advanced. "'The Lord have mercy on this country.'" He then storms out, and Thomas Danforth has to take over as chief justice. So basically, like, who on earth would stop this from happening? It must be Satan. This doesn't make any sense. We were about to rid this world of witches. How can this be? Phipps would later refer to Stoughton as, quote, enraged and filled with passionate anger. I'm sure that uh, could be used to describe him on several occasions. Uh. So he was very much invested in this, wanted to see those executions continue, and wanted to make sure that he looked good. After this was all said and done. To what degree people understood the trials to be wrong, it's hard to say. You have people like Robert Califf, who publishes more Wonders of the Invisible World and completely calls out the hypocrisy and says, you know, these Puritans killed innocent people. But his book was in direct response to Cotton Mather's Wonders of the Invisible World, which was basically a complete defense of the trials and what these judges and what these people in power had done. And Stoughton was one of the folks that was really pushing Cotton to produce this work. Absolutely. According to Samuel Seawall's diary, he, along with Stoughton, John Hathorne, John Higginson, and Cotton Mather, all met at his house to discuss and that was um, Seawall's house, to discuss Mather's future work, Trials of the Witches, as it was referred to. So basically, I think at that point, they're like, shoot, we're kind of in some hot water here. People are dead. Not everyone believes this was right. We should probably put out a piece of literature in our own defense, and that's where Cotton comes in. So I think this is probably the deepest look we can get into Stoughton's thoughts on the trials. He writes a nice little letter to Cotton to include in his publication. Reverend and dear sir, you very much gratified me as well as put a kind respect upon me when you put into my hands your elaborate and most seasonable discourse entitled The wonders of the invisible world. And having now perused so fruitfully and happy a composure. And just a reminder, this fruitful and happy composure, this is this is he's talking about like trying and killing innocent people. Upon such a subject, at this juncture of time, and considered the place that I hold in the court of Oyer and Terminer, still laboring and proceeding in the trial of the persons accused and convicted for witchcraft, I find that I am more nearly and highly concerned than as a mere ordinary reader— to express my obligation and thankfulness to you for so great pains. Such is your design, most plainly expressed throughout the whole. Such your zeal for God, your enmity, Satan, and his kingdom, your faithfulness and compassion to this poor people. Such the vigor, but yet great temper of your spirit, such your instruction and counsel, your care of truth, your wisdom and dexterity, in allaying and moderating that amongst us, among us, which needs it. Such your clear discerning of divine providences and periods, now running on apace towards their glorious issues in the world. And finally, such your good news of the shortness of the devil's time, that all good men must needs desire, the making of this your discourse public to the world, and will greatly in, greatly rejoice that the Spirit of the Lord has thus enabled you to lift up a standard against the infernal enemy that hath been coming in like a flood upon us. I do therefore make it my particular and earnest request unto you, that as soon as may be, you will commit the same unto the press accordingly. I am your assured friend, William Stoughton.
0: Now, what's great about this, or not great, um, so we mentioned he storms off, right? So Wonders the Invisible World is published a few years later.
1: The ne- it's published in 93.
0: The next year. So he storms off. Uh, Danforth pardons some people, absolves some people, And uh, basically saves probably a dozen people's lives from Stoughton's anger. But Stoughton's then back, and he is reappointed or re-steps in as chief justice. So those words are still from the chief justice of the Massachusetts Superior Court. And he remains in that position for the rest of his life.
1: Yeah, he had actually... Yeah, we forgot to mention that. In June, so like probably around the time, if not shortly thereafter, Bridget Bishop's hanging. This guy gets appointed by the governor to be chief justice for life. So good job, Stoughton. Good (laughs) job, Oyer and Terminer. You got the first witch. I'm going to reward you by giving you this position.
0: So the review of the Wonders of the Infos it's not from, I mean, it's from Stoughton, but it's not from like, another minister, just a judge. It is the chief justice coming back again and being like, thank goodness you put these words into writing. Uh, uh, we need these credentials. Uh,
1: we need this story told. We need this truth.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's he's not been discredited. Yeah, he steps away for like a couple of weeks, but he comes back and still fulfills that position.
1: After getting over his little temper tantrum. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I guess if you're going to have anyone... You know, the, you turn over the book and who's, right, who's on the back? Yeah. Chief Justice.
1: It's not even on the back. It was, dude, it's like page.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like t- t- today.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. I know what you mean.
0: Like those book reviews. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah. right,
1: Yeah. It's, it comes just after the author's defense. So it's literally like the second or third page other than the, the cover.
0: The, f- the, the 200 word cover page. Yeah. <laughs> Was it? It's, it's a remarkable inquiry. Is that
1: how it starts? That's um, John Hale's book.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Into the right. M- right, right. A modest inquiry. A modest inquiry. A thing.
1: modest inquiry into witchcraft. This is more. This one. I always want to say more wonders. This one's wonders of the invisible world by Cotton Mather. Robert Caliph is the guy that publishes more wonders of the invisible world as a response to it.
0: Which is funny because it's not. It's a response, but it's not more. It's. They're contradictory.
1: I think that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's witty. It's sarcastic. It's like. But, but
0: you look at them and you would think Wonders of the Invisible World mm-hmm. and then more wonders would complement Wonders.
1: Oh, no, it's a complete it contrast. It's, it's a complete yeah. contrast. Yeah. If anything, it's a brilliant title and it was probably selling pretty hot because Cotton's book sold. So like, why not just add another word onto it? Yeah. So the trials come to an end in 1693, but as we just said, Stoughton keeps his position, of course, so he will remain chief justice for the rest of his life. And, and, uh, and he'll pick up a couple other titles along yeah, the way, yeah. or one at least.
0: Well, so we, uh, we remember from the Phipps episode that he sort of uh, gets recalled to England, a little bit of a slap on the wrist. And when he leaves... He leaves Lieutenant Governor in charge, which is which is fair, but 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 then he dies. Yeah, poor Phipps.
1: Remember, he doesn't make it out of England alive. So Lieutenant Governor hangs around for a bit there.
0: Yeah, he's now Acting Governor uh,
1: from sixteen ninety four till sixteen ninety nine.
0: And he's a very strange Acting Governor because um, remember he's he's that hardcore Puritan. Not necessarily anti-monarch, but, you know, uh, he's had those predilections and he does very little uh, to push the agenda of the crown and basically is is a minimalist uh, governor in that sense. He also sort of uses the excuse that he's the acting governor and not the governor on a couple times. He's like, well, they're like, well, you have to enforce these rules. He's like, well... I'm not the actual governor, so I can't do it, uh, which then causes contention and politics and all that nonsense.
1: Again, used car salesman. Yeah, I get the vibe. Yeah, slimy. He, <laughs> he knows how to. He knows how to work it. He knows when to stay out of things. Oh, maybe he doesn't really know how to stay out of things. <laughs> he's very selective. Yeah, he's very strategic, and I think a lot of his strategy comes from. Not necessarily doing the right thing, doing what he wants and yeah. what is going to benefit him most.
0: He probably sees those power plays as, as politically advantageous for him, which is a little weird. So we didn't mention this because it's not a thing that exists. Um, at this point, he's, what, 68, 69? No kids. But it's weird that he sort of makes these plays and makes these advances when he has no right like no, like you can see what like the Corwins and the Hathorns are are like doing like for the land and for the family and you know all those sorts of things. No, he's doing
1: it for power. I think it is surprising for that time. Traditionally, like you would have especially with that power, you could have probably taken any wife that you wanted, but I think his ambition was like a substitute for a family. Um, okay. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. No, and, I like that. Dude, and honestly, could have been gay.
0: I I, I was I'm tossing sure, that around in my head a little bit. I'm sure yeah. you thought
1: of that too. Yeah. Like he's moseying up to a lot of powerful men. He has a lot of nice things to say about them. Mm-hmm. And in a time where you are expected to procreate and that, have a wife, especially that, in a position of power like this.
0: That little letter to Cotton Mather could have been a little... Oh, yeah. Oh, sir, you humble me so thankful. I, pre- oh, come on.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. So who knows? I mean, yeah. that's total speculation, but it is very odd that he did not have a family. Yeah. That also means that he has no direct descendants either.
0: He does not. He's done. History was like, nah, thanks, bro.
1: He can be someone's uncle. Yes. But that's about it. That's, yeah. yeah. He, had, as close he had a few
0: siblings, uh, a few nieces and nephews. Um, we're just about towards the end of his life.
1: He does die in the position of acting governor. So he holds that position until 1699. A, another governor comes in.
0: The Earl of Belmont. So he's some Irish lord that the king basically appoints uh, for New York, Massachusetts, and Maine. Try to, like, unify them all. But uh, his position uh, is very temporary. And so he's the appointed governor. Uh, Stoughton's the lieutenant governor. But then the new governor, he's done and out. So Stoughton is again the acting governor.
1: But at this point, he was kind of nearing the end of his life, a little sick. He was, what, 70 almost? yep. And he dies in 1701.
0: Made in the new century, and that's about it.
1: So hangs out for about 10 years after the trials commence and never apologized yeah. Ne- never showed any remorse. Um, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think he would have been the type to do so, even if he did feel bad. But yeah, I don't yeah. think he felt bad. He also strikes me as the type of guy that would never admit he's wrong.
0: I can see that for sure.
1: So did you see anything about the Stoughton cup? The cup? The cup? No. Oh. So this is kind of cute.
0: I, I, I'm obsessed with his grave, by the way.
1: Oh, I didn't even look at his grave. <sighs> I didn't it look is as great. It's the
0: grave of a villain. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go okay. with the cup. Very cool.
1: <laughs> so, the Stoughton Cup, it was a gift from him to Harvard. Oh, okay. you know, he's got these connections with Harvard. Right. And we didn't even mention when the Dominion of New England is taking place, their, Harvard's functioning mm-hmm. was dependent on that charter, the original charter. Yes. So, when the Dominion takes over, it's almost like in this weird limbo, just like the colonies were before. It is Stoughton who kind of makes it a point to make sure Harvard gets through like gets through it. He kinda sets up a, a temporary structure and makes sure that Harvard continues its path towards education yeah. and whatnot. So of course Harvard is a fan of Stoughton. They have a hall named after him. They also have a cup. So the cup is pretty gorgeous. I was surprised when I saw that it was crafted in 1701 because it looks very high quality. Crafted by Boston silversmith John Coney. Right, it,
0: for a second I was like <gasps> and I was like no wait I'm a fucking century
1: off. What? You were thinking Coney Island? No, oh. Boston
0: If you say Boston Silversmith.
1: Oh, Revere? Mr. Revere
0: himself. No, of,
1: although I guess you think that, right? You,
0: you yeah. said Faybot, you Boston Silversmith. I'm like, <gasps> "Oh, no." Of
1: course I thought Coney Island. <laughs> <laughs> so it was meant to be presented to Harvard at their 1701 commencement by Stoughton himself. However, he was already falling pretty ill sure. and was unable to even attend.
0: he dies in July. So he,
1: he died a week later. Oh, He died a week after the commencement. In his place, Samuel Seawall oh. was the gentleman that brought the cup to Harvard and presented it.
0: Probably uh, also a Harvard man then. Wouldn't I,
1: I think he might be. I'm not going to assume. Yeah, we're going to assume. Again, he's on the list. Yeah. I would assume so. Him and Seawall had, like, a really, really strong friendship. Friendship, business connections. Wink, wink, nudge, yeah. nudge. Oh, dude, I, I, I thought <laughs> about that, too. I thought about it, too, man. But, yeah, tell me about his grave. Uh, so he's buried
0: uh, in Dorchester Cemetery. Um, it's not private-private, but uh, I was reading some articles, and you might need, like, a special uh, call ahead to get into some of the locked places, but... Um, Now, unfortunately, uh, his tomb was replaced. So what we see is a newer tomb that's put in uh, in 1828, of course, uh, by efforts of Harvard University. So there was supposedly uh, two things. Uh, On the original one, they say, and I tried to find some um, actual documentation on this. I've just seen some reports, so... Uh, I'm not 100% sure Um, on the original one was an inscription, some attributed to Stoughton, others attributed to Mather. So I'm going to read that because it's... Here lies William Stoughton, Esquire, lieutenant governor, afterwards governor of the province of Massachusetts in New England, also chief judge of the Superior Court in the same province, a man of wedlock unknown, devout in religion, renowned by virtue, famous for erudition acute in judgment, equally illustrious by kindness and spirit, a lover of equity, a defender of the laws, founder of Stoughton Hall, a most distinguished patron of letters, and a literary man, most generous opponent of impiety and rhetoric. Rhetoricians. Rhetoricians?
1: <laughs> a word that we don't really use that much anymore.
0: Rhetoric? I-A-N-S. Rhetoricians. Delight in him as eloquent. Writers are acquainted with him as eloquent. Philosophers seek him as wise. Doctors honor him as theologian. The devout reverse him as gracious. All admire him. Unknown by all, yet known to all. What need of more? Traveler, whom we have lost. Stoughton. Alas, I have said sufficient. Tears pressed, I keep silent. He lived seventy years. On the 7th of July in the year 1701, he died. Alas, alas, what a grief.
1: That was on his headstone?
0: The original tomb.
1: Tomb. Wow. That line, um, unknown to most. What was that line?
0: Unknown by all, yet known to all. I love that. And uh, like I said, it's, it's the tomb of a villain. So today, it's just a large chest tomb engraved with one side, effectively. Uh, Here lies, or uh, this replaced the tomb of William Stoughton. And on each end, they're decorated. But one end. Ooh, skulls. (laughs) Two skulls facing each other with an hourglass and bat wings above it.
1: That's neat. So when did that go in? 1828.
0: 1828. uh, By the efforts of Harvard. But I'm looking at that being like, that's a bad guy's grave. You don't get, like, that's...
1: That's super cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's in Dorchester. So
1: the inscription that you read is well, not on is there. Is not there. And you said that it was attributed to cotton?
0: I tried to do a little bit of digging. It just seems to come up. Either cotton, Stoughton or taken in part from uh, an, older, an older quote.
1: Possibly written by cotton. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That
0: seems a little up in the air. I can't seem to, but the, the headstone's been gone for, you know, almost two centuries now. Uh, so what was originally or who wrote it originally, uh, unfortunately, probably never know.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: But I saw the tomb and I was like, yeah, what?
1: That's some cool gravestone art for sure. Yeah. We'll have to go see it. Right? So the guy has a uh, a town named after him. He does. Stoughton, Massachusetts. You know, he may have been a bad, quote-unquote bad guy, but he did leave a bit of a legacy behind.
0: So Stoughton, uh, if I recall correctly, used to be part of Dorchester.
1: Probably back when it was really big. Yeah. Like really big? Yeah. Because Stoughton is quite far south of Boston, right near Brockton area. Brockton and Norwood
0: yeah, so Stoughton settled in the early 1700s and was uh, originally part of the large, Dor- larger Dorchester area. Like, Salem was huge.
1: I was kind of curious about how the town grappled with the fact that, you know, it's named after this guy and his motivations and moral compass right. are questionable. Of course, we are looking through it with a 21st century lens— but at the same time, this is a world where things can be changed, you know. Like mascots are continuously changed. Like we're trying to be better, right? We're, what you want? You, is it is it a good idea to keep it named after this guy Stoughton, who right? sent a like, lot of people to their deaths? Yeah. I don't know.
0: I, I can see the town probably staying Stoughton, but the building at Harvard. Like I know he's a big Harvard guy, but you're like, especially Harvard, although. Then we get into the contention of Harvard and, and whatever else. But you're like, guys, you could just rename a hall.
1: Yeah, it's a lot easier to rename than, than a town. A town. I think I think they would face a lot of backlash. But it's weird because it's not like he has descendants out there that would, right. You know, yeah, be protesting it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the witch trials just wasn't enough of a dark stain on his reputation. But I, and maybe he did enough for Harvard that. I mean, he did a lot for Harvard. So I, mean, I, I guess if
0: he keeps the basically the whole place afloat,
1: yeah, keeps the lights on when there were no lights. That's yeah,
0: that's definitely something to be said. Uh, I, I guess you could then make the argument that it might not be here if it wasn't for him. So I don't know. Anyone go to Harvard? Anyone ever live in Stoughton Hall? Uh, anyone from Stoughton, Mass? <laughs> Let us know.
1: Yeah, what do you think about it? Yeah, all the like little newspaper clippings and articles I found were in reference because I was, like, trying to figure out some opinion. Like, do they recognize the fact? And, yes, 100%. They're like, this town's named after a witch trials judge. Like, what do you do about it? It is what it is. So they are very much aware Yeah, and it's
0: distinctly named after him. Yeah. Like, there's some places in the area that are named, like— Winthrop Um, isn't named after, wait, still Winthrop, it's named after Governor Winthrop, so it's still a family name and it's the same thing. But Stoughton Mass is named directly after the judge. Uh, I I did have one last thing for you. Uh, I I, I was going to start off the the whole thing and uh, just pretend like I didn't know what was going on, Um, but I thought it might confuse you a little too much. Like we talk about William Stoughton, I was going to be like, oh yeah, William Lewis Stoughton, uh, born in 1827. Uh, he's a politician and a soldier uh, from the state of Michigan.
1: Oh my gosh, Jeffrey! <laughs> I would have probably started throwing things at you. <laughs> You'd
0: be like, what? No, it's William Stoughton. He's from Michigan.
1: Ugh. No, so,
0: no relation.
1: Okay, guys, there's a Stoughton in Michigan. <laughs> now we're gonna have to go find one in every state.
0: <laughs> so, uh, but he died in, in Sturgis. He served uh, in the Union Army.
1: Jeffrey, I don't need to know anymore. <laughs> what, what? What? He's from Michigan. I, I
0: thought. I thought.
1: <laughs> so are millions of other people we have a william stoughton
0: uh from michigan
1: i love so. that you found that though just <laughs> randomly stumbled upon it that's good yeah no a william stoughton 1631
0: oh not william stoughton 1827 no okay okay D- two different guys
1: <laughs> oh jeffrey
0: but that's uh the life and times of the chief justice and lieutenant governor oh by the way, uh, our current lieutenant governor in Massachusetts, uh, Kim Driscoll, used to be the mayor of Salem for 20 years.
1: Well, that's kind of funny. Yeah. She is following in the footsteps of William Stoughton.
0: She is. She is.
1: Obviously not by, you know, practice and no, action, no. Adam, but, not at all. She, but she's in position. Great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In position, uh, the former female mayor of Salem is now lieutenant governor, which I think- uh, he probably would not have been too happy
1: about No, it. he would have called her a witch. <laughs> More than likely. More than likely.
0: So thanks, Kim.
1: So that's Stoughton. What do, what do we think? Do we like him? Would we go out for coffee with him? No. Would we tar and feather him if we saw him? Or not? That's a little too extreme.
0: Not, okay, back then or right now? Back then. Yeah, yeah. not tar and feather him, but we'd like him.
1: Oh, you think we'd like him back then? Yeah. Ew. Okay. I'd like to think that we had more of a better understanding of humanity.
0: So I, I think I think he was probably well liked, but also probably a little skeevy. I think everyone knew he was a little skeevy, but I think he might have been a little well liked.
1: I think he was well he had the ear of certain people, powerful people, influential people. But in general, was not very well liked, uh, educated, Uh privileged, Uh very much your standard Harvard boy. And I think he experienced a lot of just political instability, um, big things happening in his life, like he was at the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time, you could say, to bear witness to the politics of it all. I mean, and
0: it's it, it's strange that he is in England for the revolution and back here for the Salem Witch Trials.
1: He's very different in people that we've covered in that he's not just like hanging out on a farm with his family. Yeah. Like that was not his life at all, for sure. one bit. Uh, so definitely a different angle to tackle things from. And I have one more thing that I didn't mention that I think – played a slight role in his understanding of witches amongst them when he graduated from harvard in 1650 that was when the first accused witches quote-unquote were being tried and executed in massachusetts specifically in boston so he would have been in his early 20s witnessing this happening like imagine you're you're at harvard you're taking all these theological classes you're learning about the invisible world and then oh my gosh There's there's actual witches and and one that came from where he came from Dorchester. There was uh, only one yeah. accused witch. Was she the midwife? She No. She, the midwife came right before her. Okay, okay. I always forget her name, but the one from Dorchester, her name was Alice Lake. Yes. And she had some issues with, like, uh, pregnancy. There was talk about her, like, possibly having an abortion or she had lost a baby. Um, horrible story. And she was executed on the Boston Common. You'd think that that would play a bit of a role in his understanding of witches in general. you are going
0: to school for theology. Here we go. Oh, I hadn't put that together. I like that.
1: And then fast forward several decades, and he has. And then he's
0: in England, and then he's back, and then he
1: sees this, and then. And then he has the opportunity to stomp out all witches and be the head honcho. You know people even in today's world when there's crime you know you have jurisdictions and like someone always wants to be the guy that solves the crime uh cracks the code figures it out he might have seen it as his opportunity to like make his mark like I have a chance to save the colonies rid the world of these witches and in his mind he was doing the right thing
0: I wish we had oh what we don't know
1: it's hard to say. what well, we don't know. Cotton Mather also um, attended those executions, yeah. so definitely yeah. would have played a role in his understanding. Yeah, it's kind of weird. All of them, like, intertwined and connected. But that's uh, that's all all we got. For now. For now. We've got nine other judges to cover. And don't worry. I don't think any of them are going to be as extensive as yeah. Stoughton. This but...
0: we, we wanted to give a good first guy, head guy, Uh, And we've also dabbled in the other ones a little bit. They're they're a little bit more well-known. We've talked a little Corwin, a little Hawthorne. um, And there's not going to be much on, like, Sergeant and... um, Richards. Richards, thank you. But, hey,
1: you never know. Right. (laughs) There might be a gold mine.
0: Come up with Richards and we're like, oh, my gosh. Who was
1: this guy? How do we not know? Yeah, it's going to be fun, though. And I like I said at the beginning, I really hope by the end of it, we kind of have an understanding of who these guys were, their motivations, and how exactly they found themselves on this court. Yeah. But until then...
0: Make sure you check us out online, check us out on Instagram, Salem the Pod, uh, like, share, follow. If you like the podcast, let us know. Uh, join the Patreon. Or, um, or come to Salem and say hi. Not yet, but in a couple months. Weeks,
1: yeah, we're not giving tours yet. But hey, if you you see us on the street, well, Jeffrey, I think that just about does it.
0: Justice is about does it. Oh man, (laughs) thanks for listening.
1: See you later.